back in on Canuck Central. And this hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. It's Satyar Shah with Bik Nizar. And as always, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll keep interacting with you as the show goes on. Good first hour, as always, dug into Elias Pedersen's torrid pace and having another incredible game against the Predators. And also our good friend Irfan Gaffar to talk about Pedersen's contract and much, much more after the trade deadline for the Vancouver Canucks. And we are going to be connecting with Yannick Hansen in just a moment's time here, Bick. But, you know, people, as much as the trade deadline's come and gone, people love giving trade suggestions. They always come into our text, text inbox. Still. Always. Soapy has one. Tuvan, Turcotte, Velarde on the 2024 first to LA Demko. So he has a he has a deal there for Where's him. Where's the D-man, Soapy? <laughs> Helge Granz, the, John Dursey. They have an abundance. <laughs> like gotta, Detroit doesn't even really have an abundance of D-men. They have enough. Right. LA, they have enough D-men to make like a second NHL decor. They have everything you want. They do. Like they, they literally can give you the center you're looking for, the defenseman you're looking for, and a first-round pick you're looking for. Literally, they can give you all three things you're looking for at a high level. So it's like... Are they willing to do so? That's a big question. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were talking about Demko. Like, I, I don't see it happening. If somebody does get Demko, it's because they pay a, a, a huge price to pry him away from Vancouver, right? And uh, I think that's where it's at with Thatcher Demko. Now, as always, uh, on Canuck Central, on Fridays, we have Yannick Hansen on BIC. But because you're filling in for uh, Reach today, and you filled in yesterday as well, and uh, and you're probably coming in tomorrow... We stole Yannick Hansen from people's show today because you, you brought him with you. You have a Yannick, you have really a Yannick Hansen clause. I mean, you didn't give him to Dom. Dom was filling in. Yeah. You, you took him from Dom. You're like, this nope. is like the I'm Mikheyev and here comes Kuzmenko. <laughs> You're like, Kuzmenko Mikheyev. I Tom. told you guys, like, hey, sign me to Canuck Central and I'll bring Kuzmenko is basically what happened. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. All right. Well, let's get to Yannick. He's, he's on the line right now. And this analyst, as always, Yannick Hansen is brought to you by the Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. And Yannick, always a pleasure getting you on the show, on uh, not on the People Show, but here on the Canuck Central today. And we, we've been talking about Elias Pettersson, you know, pretty much this entire show and how incredible he's been. And another big performance last night against the Preds, has a goal, I uh, guess the game winner in, in overtime. Like, what's impressing you the most about what he's doing right now? The consistency. Because um, c- we know that players like him... Um, Young players, they are extremely talented. They're good. Um, they can produce in, in bunches. Um, but but the key to become a, a superstar or uh, dominant to the level that he's starting to show now is that you, you need to do it almost on every single night. You need to be the dis- determining factor when you're on the ice. Um, single-handedly sometimes determining the outcome of games. And it's one thing if you're doing it here and there a couple times a month uh, when you're feeling well, but but it's the consistency now. It, it's almost every time we, <laughs> I talk to you guys, we're talking about PD, or sometimes we don't even, but he's had a game where you could have, but something else pops up. So it's it's the consistency that's that's creeping into his game now, that, that where he's... Um, just by his sheer will sometimes that, that he finds a way to, to dictate how games are, are finalized. When you were playing and you, like you guys would do pre-scouts and, and we're talking about the stars of the league, you know, Crosby, Taze, and all those guys, how much time was dedicated to the pre-scout of the, the players in that echelon? Um, 
you don't really need that much pre-scout because you kind of know them. Like we all watch the the highlights and all these stuff. It's more so little tendencies. So something that's very easy to point out is obviously Ovechkin and on the power play. Like don't give him that one time or make make them beat you elsewhere. Um, otherwise, you're yeah. Don't let McDavid get speed. Um, so so it's not like you you put that much emphasis on it because everybody knows them. You guys know them, and players know them as well. Um, it, it's more so trying to eliminate their strength and again to the best of your abilities. Um, like you you mentioned Crosby, like it's not like he's got blinding speed or he's so strong that he outmuscles you. He's just better than you in every aspect, and it's hard to it's hard to play against that. Like you say, okay, when he's on the ice, let's try to have the puck, let's try to play in their end. But but again, for some reason, they always end up with the puck. It ends up in your end, and they're creating chance after chance. There's a reason they're better than than everybody else. There's the reason they're dominant. There's a reason we're talking about them. But again, you try to eliminate. Um, their strength if you can and, and again make somebody else beat you uh, if you will um, so so it's not like you put that much emphasis on, on the pre-scout on, on the individual because like I said um, they're so blown up and we see them all the time uh, highlights media news and so it's people are fairly educated as well if you will well and now we've had a better bit a big of a bit of a bigger sample with uh, Anthony Bevilier on his line as well. And we saw how good Mikheyev was with, with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. What do you make of the way Bevilier's fit in there? And do you see that as being a fit you'd like to see? Or did you like perhaps Mikheyev better as a third guy on that line? I think they're a little bit more in the same um, uh, line of player, if you will. Mikheyev might be a little more defensive, uh, but they're both that uh, hustling, getting in on Forchak, uh, digging around nets, playing in the dirty areas. So they're they're a little bit similar, so they're interchangeable, if you will. Um, but again, it, it shows that that type of player works really well with him as well, which is good when you do need to change. And again, it, it all comes back to as well. It's one thing to play well with PD because we've seen that now with so many players. So it's the same thing with Hank. Tons of guys play well with him. Um, but, but again, how do they translate when they get shifted to some other line? Because again, you need more than one line producing. You need more than one line playing. It would be nice to get a JT Miller line going as well. And one of these guys we're talking about could very well end up on, on JT's line. So again, you, you need to find players that work well. And again, it's just great that now you have three or four players, in, in all fairness, that plays well with Petey. Because I, I don't think it's four or five months ago we were talking and we were like, okay, who's going to play with Petey? We, we don't really know. Petey doesn't have any wingers. They keep rotating these guys through and, and we need to find him a, a set set of line mates where now you can easily peg out three easy that well he works really well with those so give him to them and 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 then they run with it so it's in that sense the season has been a success if you will in getting pd acclimatized getting him to the point where you can nice say we have a we have a phenomenal number one center and we actually have the wingers that we can play with him as well because that was one of the question marks going into this season as well his shot, too, it can be so specific and so precise, and he finds that top corner yesterday. That play that he, he loads up that shot, you know, we see him on the power play so often just take the one-timer. Would you like to see him more, like, settle the puck and just look for a shot? Because he can be patient with it, and he can also be so precise with it. 
Uh, he needs both. I, I want to see both because that means you're unpredictable. When you're predictable, then then you're easy to cover. So again, as long as he keeps switching it up, changing it, using both, using everything he's got in his arsenal, um, it's fine by me. I don't want him getting pigeonholed into into one thing. Um, these, these players need to evolve. If, if you don't become better, you become stagnant and then somebody will pass you. Um, so again, it's great to see that he can score in all these different ways. Um, obviously, one thing that's been pointed out is his power play goals. But it's not like the power play has been bad with him on it. It's been a very good power play this year as well. It, goals have just come from different avenues, as you will. Um, so again, if teams take him away a little bit more because OPD, he's got the hardest shot in the league. We just saw that at the All-Star game. Let's cover him. Well, great. Then JT and and Quinn Hughes and when Bo was there, we're getting a, a little bit more shots. And maybe that's why it opened up and they were scoring more goals. I don't know, but it could be one of those things that lead to it. Again, all you really want is options and not just one or two because that is you're able to take that away as a penalty killer. Once you add the third, that that's when you're you're bound to give up something because you just don't not enough players out there to cover that. Well, and then you mentioned if the Canucks have both Elias Pettersson and a second line going with the way JT Miller can play, and JT, you know. In fairness to him, ever since Tockett has taken over, he has 15 points in 16 games. He's been a plus player over that time. He's He's been better as a defensive impact player as well. What do you make of the way JT's played down the stretch here and what that may say about his ability to stay down the middle next season? It gives you some comfortability with, with the fact that you lost uh, your center in bowl and, and JT was the question mark up until that point where well you can't just have PD and then, then just glaring holes right down through your, the middle of your lineup. So the fact that JT has kind of turned it around a little bit and become the player that earned that big contract is make, gives you a little bit of comfort going into next year because it's nice to have those two centers. No matter what direction you're going in, um, you need some sort of, of presence down the middle, and they have that. And then we can fill in the spots around, uh, give them the wingers, and see what could be done. But but again, you, you sign JT to a big ticket. It's nice to see him play at a level that is expected, and again that you've come to expect of him as well. Uh, that being said, it, it's a long deal, so again it is early. So you hope that he wouldn't fall off too far from what earned him that contract. I don't think anybody was expecting 100 points every single year out of JT. I think point a game like you mentioned right now and and a plus player if he does that then then he earns that paycheck becomes the the anchor on the second line behind pd a great one-two punch obviously they're different players yesterday we saw jt can play with a different fire different emotion than than pd does so it's not like they're just two offensively gifted centers that that you have to worry about no they bring some different intangibles as well um, and again, it, it was one of those things, again, when we're talking about trades and what's going to happen. Well, you move JT, there, there's going to be a ginormous void there. Um, so, so again, it, it's one of those things where you were hoping that he'd find his game. Uh, you'd hope that he'd done it at the beginning of the season, but for some reason it's taken a little bit longer. But again, it's, it's nice to see that it's not just for a little bit now, but it, it's for an extended period of time that he seemed to have rounded out his game a little bit better. What's the trait that, that makes him stand out and when he's at his best? Because we've seen the physicality tick up against uh, Toronto and then obviously last night, and you know, it's something we don't see probably enough. And then is it the chance creation? Because at times when he handles the puck, he can also overhandle the puck and try to do too much. What is yeah, the best know, version it, of his game? 
It's impossible to play without fire 82 games. You, you're gonna get, you're gonna get yourself hurt or, or burned out. Um, you need to be able to to play. Uh, I wouldn't say at 100 percent every every game because it's just not doable. But but if even if you're playing at 90 or, or 85 and, and still be better than, than the players you play again, win games that way. And then when those uh, marquee matchup comes, um, then then we can turn it up a notch and and be even better. Um, because obviously the skill is there, the finesse is there, and a lot of times these skilled guys can get away with that and win games on that, so you don't need that fire either uh, in every single game. But then when it is needed, when you do play the cream of the crops, when we do run into Edmonton, when we do run into Vegas, when we do run into Colorado, well, that's when you need to play at 100% and making sure you're playing with that fire in your belly and you're not just taking a step back because, again, you've, I wouldn't say you've rested yourself, but, but you are pacing yourself a little bit. Um, and again, when you're good enough to do that and, and still win games when it's not needed, because like I said, it, it, it's impossible to play that way for 82 games. Like You'll hurt yourself or, or burn yourself out. So uh, again, you need to make sure you're, you're playing a sound game all the time. Um, he needs to take chances. You guys touched on, on his passing, making plays. And it was also one of the things that got him in trouble earlier on with the turnovers mm-hmm. that kept piling up. Um, and that's when he needs to recognize, okay, it isn't, it isn't working for me today. So, so instead of trying this backhand cross seam uh, on the power play, maybe I, I make an easy play and it's just up to Quinn and, and then over instead of going through the box. It's all these little things that, that you hope that he recognizes. And, and it's one of those things that, um, okay, I'm not having my, my best. And maybe somebody else is going to determine the, the, the play today. Do you think this team has his ideal winger on the roster? Um, not for JT. I, I don't know who would he be his ideal winger. Obviously, when, when Petey was there, it worked really well. Uh, Petey's a center and he's got his own, own center or own line right now. Um, he's maybe more so in the position that, that Petey was in that we talked about last year with, with who is going to play with, with JT. Um, I think he needs some heavier wingers, if you will. Um, where, where Petey, you can take a step down the ladder and, and pick his wings because he's so dominant in the way he plays, where I'd maybe like to see... Uh, what do you say, a little more expensive winger on, on JT's side, a little better players that take a little bit more of the recognition when they're on the ice. So it's not just like, okay, you zone in on, on JT and then we make somebody else make the plays. Um, so, so again, I'd like them to, to start to find um, set matchup because it works better once you're getting in a, in a groove of playing with two other guys. And, and to some extent, it doesn't matter who they are, but but again, it does that you get the sense of familiarity. Um, you're not having to see each other. You can listen, know, feel where each other are instead, and that comes from consistency. So again, finding the guys that you want to play with him for the foreseeable future, because if he's going to be your second-line center for the next seven seasons after this, it would be nice to get him somebody that he's going to play with for an extended period of time as well. So you're not rotating through wingers uh, uh, on any given night. So like a Mikheyev type and then a skill guy on the other wing? It's always hard to, to pigeonhole into what you need on certain on certain lines. Um, JT seems to be getting in on four checks a lot himself too. So mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't need that as much. He's got a lot of dishing as well. I'd probably like a, sni- a sniper, somebody who's really good at picking corners for him. Um, if he does create this space and find some of those holes. And then you need a, a second player who could hound pucks, um, 
somebody who would like to go to the net. Uh, JT don't mind that as well, but it's hard for a center to get in front of the net, getting back as the third guy as well. Um, you, you always like a player on a line that are not designated, but somebody who knows, okay, it, it's my job to do the dirty job. It's my job to get in the corner. When these two other skilled guys lose the puck, I should probably be the one getting the puck back to them. Um, if for some reason, that, that seems to work out. Um, and it's true and tried. Those players are easier to shift around to if things don't work out. Well, okay, drop them to a third line, try them with Petey. Because um, it, it's one of those roles that um, are easily transferable to, to other, other lines where if you have something really skilled, skills tend to need to play with other skill in order to be successful. So it's a little more open-ended in that sense. Well, that thing you just mentioned there, skill needs to play with skill to be successful. I remember last week we had you on Friday and we were talking about the Philip Hironic deal. And, you know, you and I were discussing things and, I, you know, you and I both kind of agreed that it's probably best to split up Quinn Hughes and Hironic and build pairs around those two guys. And as much as, you know, and I agree with that in general, but I was thinking a lot about it. And, and over the past few days, and Vic and I have been kind of discussing what sort of options you may have. Is it not tantalizing if you put Horonic and Hughes together and then you have shifts where those two guys are out there with Patterson's line, with Miller's line, and how those guys could dominate play? Like, I know we mentioned you can do it at times, but in terms of having a D pair with those guys together, could that supercharge a D pair to a higher degree than splitting them up? Um, I don't know. It's again... It's... You'd like as much money as you have on the ice the whole time. And again, you put them together. I just worry that you weaken the rest of the lineup that much that when you need that puck moving after them, teams that are really, really good comes after you in waves. It's not just, okay, um, Hank and Danny are out there. Now we're in trouble against Vancouver. No, it, it wasn't just like that because right after that, Kess came over the board with his line and then another line and another line. And that's what makes you hard to play against. If you just have to survive one pairing, um, one line, well, well, then you just, okay, you have your coaches. Well, okay, uh, Petey Quinn and, and Heronic are coming over. These five go. Every time they're out, you just jump over the board. You have run, roll, uh, obstruct, uh, destroy, slow the game down. And then as soon as they're off the ice, then the other three lines, then we play hockey. It's, it gets a little bit easier to play against in the sense that you just worry about one line and one time they're on the ice and then you have your, your breather and, and then you kind of take over the game. And then when they come back, most of the time they'll be starting in their own end, uh, neutral zone, so, so you don't feel like you're, uh, that next shift we're going to score right now because the other shift right in front of us will get creating crowd is in the game and all these things. That's kind of the worry with um, loading up one line. It's great to be able to do it for the last 10 minutes of the game, uh, power play, um, six on five, all these things when you need a little bit of a push. Um, but, but to do it all over again and again, game after game, that's what I'm worried about, that you water out the, the lineup a little bit too much. And the other set, uh, part of that is that there's only so much puck to go around as well. And if you have two demons on the same pairing that are joining the rush, um, sometimes they might overlook that, hey, the other guy actually joined this rush and I'm joining it as well. And now there's there's, there's nobody back now covering for us. Um, so, so, like I said, it can be a little bit too much. I'm sure we'll see it at some point um, to see what kind of uh, success they're having. Um, but, but again, it, it comes back to... Um, 
I remember back when we were playing against Anaheim when they were really, really good. Um, it wasn't very often Pronger and Niedermeyer were playing together either, but one of them were always on the ice, and it was almost impossible to play against those two. Um, and, then, and then you have the whole game covered, or they have the home, whole game covered when they were on the ice. And that's what makes you so effective, that there, there, there's no breather for the other team when you're on the ice. I wouldn't mind seeing it if there's you know a handful of games Hronik plays just at the end of the season, see what it might look like. But you're right, it's probably best to separate them. But just just looking at these last 19 games here, Yannick, you know what does success look like for the Vancouver Canucks? Uh, it's twofold. Obviously, you lose 19, you get the first overall. That would be pretty <laughs> successful in my book. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. But but again, you, you'd love to see. Um, Kratsov come in and, and start producing, show that he's a top pick. Uh, you'd love to see Hironic come in and show that he's a top parent defenseman. You'd love to see Demko continue to play like he is a Vesna goalie. You'd love to see this team rounding out their mistakes, uh, turning the penalty kill around. Um, you'd love to see them win a bunch of game as well for confidence going into the next year. Um, the, the, so it's, it's very, very hard for me to pick one because they're so extreme. Um, one can't really happen without the other, and the other won't happen if the other happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, again, as long as it's not pedal in the metal, if you will, and 500 hockey and, and more of the same that we've seen losing these 7-5 games, really good offensively, but terribly defensively, uh, keep making mistakes that we've seen for the past 60 games. As long as we don't don't see that, then then I'm okay with it. I, I like one of the two extremes where you can really see this team. Okay, we got a new coach and he he's got it dialed in. He's got it cleaned up. And again, then then the onus become to starting that way next year as well. Um, so so again, like I said, one or two extremes is would be a success in my eyes. Well, I mean, and, and fans rightfully point out to last year, Yannick, and they say, hey, the team played well down the stretch and they showed up in training camp and the beginning of the season, it completely fell flat on their face and did similar things the year before. So why would it be different this time? Would the difference be that you're actually, quote unquote, using the buzzword, but building a structure and building rules and non-negotiables that players have to adhere to? Would that be the difference in terms of maybe this being able to translate to next season? If they're able to, yes. But like you said, we, that's what we said a year ago as well, and yeah. they didn't. Um, so that that's why that's why I have been screaming for a little bit more change because it, it, they have been given these chances and, and they have uh, let us down now, not just once or twice. Um, that's that's why we, we were, were wanting a little bit more change, even though everybody can see the pieces that they have and. I'm not disputing anything uh, Alvin or, or Jim has said that like we have some really good pieces. They have some phenomenal pieces on this team that you'd love to build around. Um, they just haven't done it. Um, and we saw the glaring hole on, holes on D, and they didn't address it. And, and again, I told you so, um, kind of feel to this season, where now they go out and, and they get this defenseman that are better, are going to make them better. Um, now it's just timing. And again, I'm not sitting at the salary cap. I don't know what they're going to do. But, but, but like I mentioned to you uh, on Friday, Sad, the money is what worries me. If they had 15, 20 million of cap space coming up, mm-hmm. I can completely see an avenue where you can fix this because then you have the money 
you just need to get the defenseman and the center into on the third line, and all of a sudden you you have a pretty good team. Obviously, you got to stay healthy. Players got to continue con- to contribute, but there is an avenue for this to work. The problem is the money in my world just aren't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, Rick Tockett was mentioning how the, this summer is going to be such a big deal for a lot of the players, and it, it's an exciting opportunity for the team, the coaching staff as well, to be able to work with these guys for the full summer and get ready for training camp. What was a, a big off season for you, and, and why was it so effective, you felt, of how you grew as a player? Um, I think it was after a couple of seasons in... in uh, here in North America, where it's like, okay, you, you got to train to train. Uh, and it's not just enough to uh, the first couple of off seasons. I just did it on my own. Uh, I'd go to the rink in Winnipeg by myself, uh, do my lifting, uh, a little bit of conditioning here. Um, like, like I'd done for the past 20 years of my life. That's not true. Maybe, maybe 15 years of my life um, to, um, to where now, okay, I'm going to use Glenn Carnegie, our, our strength and conditioning coach. Uh, I'm with him every single day, uh, five, six days a week, uh, training with with another group of pro guys, all the guys in Winnipeg that were there that were playing in the NHL, Eric Fair, Travis Sajak, um, all, all, all these guys. Um, we, we showed up at the same time, uh, push each other to, to a whole other level that I could do on my own. And all of a sudden, you're you're getting pushed to where when I show up in camp, I'm in not just great shape, but but phenomenal shape. And you push yourself to to another level just by being in a different shape than than you've shown up to in in the past. Um, and I can't exactly pinpoint which year that was. Um, but like I said, I had played uh, in North America for for a number of years, and uh, Glenn had poked at me a couple of times, hey, come train with us instead of, uh, I'll just do it my own, show up at 11 o'clock and, and get my stuff in instead of showing up at 7 o'clock in the morning with, with everybody else. Um, so, so again, it, it's one of those things where it, it's not just uh, fun and games anymore. No, we, we're, we're going to do that with a whole other mentality now. Yannick, uh, always great to have you on the show. It's fun to have you on Canuck Central on this Tuesday. We look forward to chatting with you on Friday and uh, have fun with the skiing. This half, uh, this yeah, thank you. Take care. Uh, that's Yannick Hansen. Uh, always fun having him here on the show on Canuck Central. And, uh, you know, we'll discuss on the other side a bit more about ideal wingers, perhaps, for JT Miller. I thought that was an interesting discussion. And just Yannick in general just has just puts things in such simple ways, which I love so much. Like, it's, it's pretty complex, a lot of the things that he talks about, but it, it just makes it sound so simple, which is just part of the beauty of having him on. But... I do find it intriguing about finding the true fits for JT if he's going to be here long term. Yeah, and, and the style of forechecker he is, mm-hmm. does that fit as well? He still has that winger's mentality sometimes of first one in, be yeah. hard after it. So is that something that can be taken out of his game? But like as we've said, he's still probably ultimately – a winger if this team if, if Atu Ratu is a big hit mm-hmm. it's going to be on the second line right. if they find another second line center JT's going to have to go back to the wing so there's that element to it but yeah it's certainly uh, something to discuss of what they can do in the offseason we'll talk about that a bit more we'll get to more of your text messages coming into our text inbox as Canuck Central rolls on here on the home of your Canuck Sportsnet 650